When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey guys, welcome back to this episode of Astros Baseball. Not good, folks. The Astros versus the A's. That's what we're going to talk about. And I didn't know this. Did you know that that was the first time they've been swept all season? I mean, I don't remember it, but it's kind of like that's something that doesn't really stick out in your memory if it did happen. But I, I didn't know that, but that's good. Yeah, I I also did not know until they said it yesterday. It made sense. I mean, I couldn't remember the last time and for good reason. Yeah, they lost two of three to Oakland before the All-Star break. Then they beat the Yankees twice in one day. They go sweep the Mariners who won 14 games in a row. And then they can't do anything against Oakland. And we're not even going to talk about the games too much because I want to talk about this. I want to talk about some uh, – because the trade deadline's coming, and I know we'll do one more show before the actual uh, trade deadline. But here, there was a – McTaggart put a story out, and it said, needs the Astros should consider. So that's what I want to start out talking about. And number one, it said – and you can tell me if you agree with this, but he said, number one, a backup catcher. He said, Corey Lee has a bright future, but they need a backup now because it doesn't seem like Castro's ever coming back. Thoughts? I definitely disagree. I feel like Corey Lee and Maldonado is more than serviceable. I think that if, if, if we're only going to be able to have one or two moves, that's at the bottom of my list. I, I, I don't, I don't know that, you know, with the way Maldi's been playing and, and what, what little that Corey has shown a little bit, I worry a little bit about the defensively, the defensive side. They, they've had some struggles recently, but as far as with the bat, I just don't think you need an, an all worldly catcher when, you know, the top of your lineup is so deadly, you, you need them to be serviceable. And they have been over the last month. Yeah. What, he, what they say is Christian Vasquez from Boston is an option. And I kind of agree with him, but when you go to the playoffs, Maldi's going to start every game. That would be my thought. So you would, because I we were both kind of on the side of having Jason Castro when the playoffs start. And so I, I do think that would be a good idea, but I'm with you. There's other things to address first, but it all depends. I mean, if they give some dude you never heard of up to get a catcher or who knows, maybe we'll talk about that in a little while. But they said we need some offense because Brand- Michael Brantley's been out since June. Who knows how long that, and, you know, because they keep everything a secret, but who knows how long he's going to be out. And he says we've had a lackluster season at first base and center field. And the ideal fit is the guy everybody's talking about, Josh Bell from the Nationals. You want Josh Bell? I do. I think he'd be a great addition as a platoon player. Uh, I feel like if they go out and get a catcher, he's going to be a platoon player. I think something that that made Castro also attractive is that he was a left-handed bat. 
So it gave Dusty the flexibility to go left with Castro and right with Maldonado. I believe the same thing would be true if they got Josh Bell. Josh Bell is a left-handed bat. So you'd have Yuli from the right. You'd have Josh Bell from the left. So it, it, it's it's really a thing like a lot, I know a lot of people are, are concerned that this is the end of Yuli. And I don't think that's the case. I just feel like this gives more flexibility. It gives Yuli a chance to take more days off. You know, he's not a spring chicken. I think he's 36 yeah. or 37. So uh, I, could, I could understand how a 162 game season would wear on him more now than it would in the past. Well, think about it, too. I mean, Josh Bell can DH when Yuli plays because Alvarez plays a lot of outfield nowadays. So I want him. I'm sold. I've seen his stats. I didn't write them down, but I, I want him. I'll take this guy. Rental or is it a, would it be a rental? It would be a rental. Okay, I'll take him. All right. So they also said uh, Trey Mancini from Baltimore, Peralta, Hap, Drury. But I mean, it's happened before, right? The Astros rumors they're going to get this guy. Rumors they're going to get him, and they talk about the same guy over and over and over, and then we end up not getting him. So what do you think about Benintendi going to the Yankees? Is that somebody you might have wanted? That'd be a rental as well. He And he was one of the guys that didn't get to play in Toronto, but he said he's going to get the vaccine now. So Benintendi was interesting. I mean, obviously, he, he's, a, he's a decent um, to really good bat that could play all three outfield positions. But see, I don't think he was the only guy. I know like people heard his name early on too, kind of linked the Astros. And felt that was somebody that, okay, that made sense. But I think Ian Happ is probably a better uh, a fit. He's got an extra year of control. He wouldn't be a just a rental rental. You would have him through next season. So if you're going to give up the prospects anyway, the added season would help, especially if you feel like that's a better fit in center field. If not, you're, redress, you're addressing it all over again in the offseason. And I don't see like any like like I don't see another Jeremy Pena walking through the door that's going to go into center field. Maybe Pedro Leon, maybe uh, I believe that that kid Valdez, right? Yeah. But if they're if they're in win now mode and they feel like they need a guy, I think Hap would be the be the fit. But who knows what's going to come open, right? I think it's better to be patient in this scenario because I mean, look at look at a team like Boston. A week ago, they felt like they were in it. Two days from now, they could deal J.D. Martinez. Slide J.D. Martinez into your lineup and see how that goes. Yeah. Looks like the Red Sox forgot how to play defense. A lot. They're like the <laughs> – uh, I don't know if this is a – I'm not that old, but the Keystone Cops. <laughs> they became the Keystone Cops, but I heard of them when I was younger. But another – the other the third one he put – and I, don't, I guess these aren't in order. I guess he's just writing them down. But bullpen, and this is something you spoke about, the entire time we've been doing the show together, who doesn't need a bullpen arm? And he brought up Andrew Chafin from the Tigers, who has a 2.46 ERA, 108 whip, and he's a left-hander, and we need a left-hander. Absolutely. Uh, the bullpen for me is like probably number one. I think of all the things we talked about, I don't feel like the Astros have really, really struggled to score runs. We just haven't stopped anybody. So for me... It's it's one thing to say okay, we're we're just leaving too many men on base. It's another thing to say, how are we gonna how are we gonna prevent runs in the postseason if we can't prevent them in the regular season? There's guys you just don't feel great about. 
And for me, that's that's the of all the positions, that's the shakiest spot. What about a starting pitcher? I think that's just that's just being spoiled. That's just being greedy. There's no reason for that. As it stands right now, we have six starters, and that's without Lance McCullers Jr. That's without Hunter Brown. We have more options at starting pitcher than we have anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, did you read the thing about Jose Arquiti possibly being one of the guys that, that will get traded? I mean, that'll be a good move because it's not like he's the greatest pitcher ever, but I don't think there's too many teams in Major League Baseball that he can't just go over there and be on the uh, in the rotation. He's, he's a good pitcher. So I think it's like a, a form of currency that, you know, makes it easier to do something like a one-for-one. I think if you were to trade Jose Arquiti, if you were to trade uh, Luis Garcia, you could just go get Josh Bell and not have to give up any prospects. You could just go get, you know, a top-tier reliever and not have to give up any prospects. That's one way to do it. And because you have a guy like Hunter Brown, who is, is, is more than ready, I think he's proven everything he has to prove at Sugarland it might benefit you to open up a spot on your rotation to be able to plug him in. I think uh, most people would say, let's deal Oder Rizzi, but you can't deal this guy. He makes $6 million and uh, Urquidy makes about 700,000. So it's not going to be Oder Rizzi. I can tell you that, but it could be Oder Rizzi. I saw Javier. I even saw Luis Garcia's name come up as possible trade pieces and like you said, I mean, the Astros have a ton of starting pitchers. And when you bring back Lance McCullers, you look at Hunter Brown, who could come up and be the fifth starter. I mean, they could get rid of all three of these guys to get some more offense, to get some more uh, bullpen arms. But, yeah, I mean, that, that sounds good to to get rid of. Not that I want to get rid of Urquidy, but it is a pretty good trade piece. You make a very good point. But... Do you want to talk about these games? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we need to just for the sake of, you know, where it went wrong. I tried to, what, what do you call them? The cliff notes, the ones from school, the little yellow books. So I start like this. Monday, Jake Odorizzi, five innings, seven hits and six runs. And the Astros score more than four runs and their record is outrageously good. But you, it doesn't matter if your starting pitcher gives up six runs. And I'll give him credit for one thing. He gave up six runs, and he went back out there and had a scoreless inning. So I'll give him that. But the Astros are down six to two after five innings. And the big thing was Oakland had that, that uh, five runs in the fourth inning. And that, I mean, you let a team score five runs in one inning, more than likely you're not going to win that game. Yeah, I you know, I pinned that game really on Dusty, though. I really feel like if you watched it, you could tell he was having an issue with that blister way before it got out of hand. And I, I get it. He was still making pitches. And, you know, you see a lot of players pitch with a blister. And, you know, you see all the pictures of guys rubbing the, you know, the blood on their on their pant leg or something like that. But he was not able to execute pitches to get guys out at that point. He was just kind of throwing the ball over the plate. So, and this is just me watching the game. I really can't imagine, you know, the pitching coach watching and going, well, he should have been able to recognize, hey, he wasn't, he wasn't getting it done. And I understand the understanding of the side, right? 
I'm sure Dusty does not want to go into that bullpen because it's something that he's had to tax so much. So he just kind of let Odorizzi fall on the sword and kind of like, you know, take those lumps when if that was a playoff game or if that was a, a game that he felt he needed to win, he would have pulled him way sooner. I kind of get the feeling watching these games against the A's. And I know it's not true and I know it's not a fact, but it's almost like they didn't care that they didn't win. You know what I mean? I mean, when they played New York, they were pumped and they were ready to beat them. When they played Seattle, they were pumped and they were ready to win. They were ready to play. They were excited. And I don't know what it is. It, it just, it didn't seem like they had any energy. It didn't seem, I don't know. It just didn't seem like they were there. Well, the one thing I can really point to, the one thing that I feel like, you know, when I sat back and I thought about it a little bit. So the attendance for the first game was 4,000 people. <laughs> like, I think the attendance at the Skeeter or the Space Cowboys games are higher than they were the entire series at, at the Oakland Coliseum. So to go from playing in front of 42,000 loud, booing at you, cheering for you, whatever, in Seattle to 4,000 in Oakland, I, I could understand just not wanting to be a part of it, just going through the motions, you know, yeah, I'm here, but it's not like a real game. It almost feels like an exhibition. Yeah. So if you go to the scoring, Pena had a solo home run for us. Uh, Chaz had an RBI double. Uh, top of the six, Pena scored on a throwing error. That made it six to three. Yuli score, Yuli stole second, then Alvarez stole home, which was a pretty sweet play. And we were in the game. We were in the game after six innings, six to four, but then they made it seven to four with a home run, and then Chaz made it seven to five. And in the top of the ninth, there was two on and two outs. And uh, you could just see it coming, right? Pena striking out to that slider. I told my wife, watch, he's going to do that again. He's going to whiff on it. And he did. Nothing, nothing negative about him, about uh, Pena. No, no bad mouthing, but you could just see that. You could see it coming. So he's been getting a heavy dose of sliders and off-speed stuff because the, I mean, the rule of thumb with most young play, most young hitters is they hit the fastball well. It's recognizing you know spin out of the hand and then being able to do something with it. Yeah. And I think right now he's guessing a little bit. I mean, he I feel like he sees it, but he doesn't know where it's going to end up. So when he, if you watch him enough, he'll get that he'll get that slider over the heart of the plate and be like, Ugh. you know, you can just see like he couldn't he couldn't pull the trigger. And then in a game where he really wanted to make something happen, now he's trying to force it, and you can just see that dude just got further and further off the plate. And the strike three on that play was just not even a competitive pitch. So Tony Kemp was an Astro killer, two for three with three RBIs. Pena, two for four. Chaz, two for four. And Ryan Stanek gave up a run. His ERA is now 0.79. The Astros, five runs on seven hits. They were one for eight with runners in scoring position. Uh, they left six on base. And like I said earlier, they usually win when they score four more runs. And we can get into it later, but it kind of feels like this was a good chance for them to win. It, it felt like they were getting some momentum back and they just couldn't uh, win the game. But we go to Tuesday, and the same thing, another big inning. Oakland scores four runs off Luis Garcia in the third inning. 
and they're up four to zero. But then Tucker had a home run, Alvarez an RBI double, and then Bregman RBI single. We're back in it. We're back in the game. And then Kemp an RBI double, five to three. No more scoring for the Astros. They just couldn't get anything done. The Gar- Garcia five and two thirds, four hits, four runs, four walks, seven strikeouts, picks up the loss. Abreu and Neris, no runs allowed. Alvarez, two for three with an RBI. The Astros, three runs on seven hits, one for five. Runners in scoring position, six left on base. So first two games, that's two for 13 with runners in scoring position. You're not going to win like that. Yeah, and it's a combination of a couple things, right? There were some guys in positions to do well, but at the same time, you also had guys getting the day off. You had, uh, I believe, Altuve and Yuli was out one day then Tuck and Bragg another day. And and those are your guys. Those are your, your breadwinners. Those are your main run producers. You sit those guys. I think Pena also got a seat one day. You sit those guys down, and then you bring Dubon. And, and it's it's one thing to bring one bench guy in, but when you've got multiple bench guys, you know, playing in a game, these are guys that are, haven't seen Major League hitting, you know, in five, six days or whatever. I believe there's got to be some sort of a – acclimation period, you know, get your swing timing right a little bit. I'm, I'm sure they're professionals. They're supposed to be able to do it, but yeah. there's a reason they're not playing every day. And that's another reason that I say it doesn't seem like they're trying to win because they are also resting a lot of guys. I mean, I think uh, yesterday's game, Chaz let off. I think yesterday's when Altuve had off. But I haven't even mentioned Altuve yet. So he either had three days off or he didn't do anything. But I know he didn't have three days off. Uh, Wednesday, yesterday was Christian Javier. That Voight guy got a home run. That dude was, I mean, I don't know how old that guy is. He's like our age. I don't know. I'm older than you, I'm sure. But uh, they had the lead two to zero. A couple of home runs in the bottom of the second. Uh, Myers had a pretty sweet RBI triple. That was pretty cool. And then Kemp, RBI double, three to one. Alvarez had a home run, three to two. Bolt RBI single four to two, and that was the final. So not a lot of scoring. Only two runs by the Astros on five hits. 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. Five left on base. Javier only five innings, five hits, and three runs. Six strikeouts. He gave up two home runs. And then my boy Seth Martinez. It happened again, buddy. He goes in, three up, three down. Beautiful inning. Then he goes in the next inning, and uh, he gives up a single, and then he strikes the next guy out. They bring in Maton, pass the ball by Corey Lee, where you had mentioned he has a little defense woe, and then the next guy gets a hit and brings him in. So he did get a run against him, but someone else was pitching. So, But again, that's every run that he's allowed has been in his second inning. And I'll go back and look, but it has to be because it's – Probably only been like four games. But overall, what's your thought on this series? Go to town. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, for me, I feel like if, you, if you've been watching enough baseball, if you've been around the Strohs long enough, this is going to happen. It's just going to happen. Rarely does a team ever go through a season without getting swept at some point in time. I understand it's the Oakland A's. I understand they're a bad team and you shouldn't. But when you look at how they just came off of doing their work against the teams they're supposed to do it against, would you feel better if I told you, oh, they swept the A's but got swept by the Yankees? Or would you feel better saying, you know what, 
they lost to an inferior team, but they did their work against the the, the ball clubs that they're supposed to. Yeah, I well, know. I know we're spoiled. We we expect them to win every day, and they should. But yeah. in in a, in a 162 game season, you're just gonna have days where you just don't have it, and then you cap you put on top of that that they were playing in front of you know crowds that rival little league baseball games. <laughs> You know, yeah. I, I mean, it's got to be tough to look out in the stands and see like 80% or 90% of the, the ballpark just empty. You know, you just uh, I, I feel like that had a lot to do with it. And I think they're going to go back to play in Seattle. They're going to come back home. They're going to play these ball clubs. They're going to play in front of a packed house and, th- and there's going to be juice. Yeah, I'm not worried about it, but it's kind of like you said, it's uh, they, they probably expended a lot of energy. And emotion, and they might be just drained and tired and not motivated. They rested a lot of guys, no fans. Maybe they're overlooking them because they got a four-game series against Seattle coming up. Who knows, whatever it is, but they've lost five out of six to them. And I'm not worried at all. I mean, some people may think the sky's falling, but people that are level-headed and understand that this stuff happens, they're not worried about it. But the Astros have lost three in a row, but they're still 10 games ahead of Seattle. And they have the second best record in the American League. And the team that is leading the Central is Minnesota, and the Astros are beating them by 12. So you just want to be in the top two. If you don't have the best record, that's fine. I don't care. As long as you're in the top two, and they're comfortably, comfortably in the top two. The other thing to point out, too, is that the Yankees had a tough weekend against or a tough series against the Mets. So they got swept as well. So they didn't lose any. They, I think they lost half a game or one game to the Yankees. So as bad as it could possibly be, the timing worked out that they really didn't, you know, lose a whole lot of ground. I think that again, you're going to play tons of games against the Mariners. So I wouldn't worry too much about, what that looks like because you're going to be able to go just like they did before where it was, I think it was nine games and then it was 13 games and they were done. So they, they take care of business. They win that series. And we're not really worried about, you know, where they're at behind, you know, the Astros. So the four game series against Seattle, they have Urquidy and then JV. So that's at least one win. And then the next two games are to be, be to be determined but that's uh, those two games are after the trade deadline, so maybe that has something to do with it. The trade deadline is the 29th, right? I believe it's the 2nd. It's August 2nd? Yes, sir. Oh, I don't know. I should have I should have got that when we talked about the trade deadline. <laughs> All right, so who's your players of the series? It was kind of hard. Yeah, it really was. Um, I mean... It's tough to it's tough to go. You know, you have these players that shine considering how bad things were. Uh, Jordan Alvarez is still hitting the cover off the ball for me. Uh, he the 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 one game that I felt they had the best chance to win. He had a lot to do with it. A homer hit that rocket double uh, to dead central. For me, with the bat, give me Jordan Alvarez. Pitching, um, I, I like your boy Seth Martinez. Uh, the bullpen for me is just a is just like a big glaring need. It's a big concern for me because you just see how some of these games. Okay, so the starter didn't go lights out, right? Where we're so accustomed to our starters being so incredibly dominant or having these long 
quality starts, six innings, two runs. You know, it's it's impossible to not have games where they give up, you know, three, four runs. And then I feel like the bullpen has just kind of let them down a little bit where they needed to pick them up. So for me, give me the the the, the most consistent bullpen arm right now uh, that's not one of the top three. I go with uh, Alvarez and Christian Javier. I went with Javier just because he only gave up three runs and he had one walk. He gave up three runs, but two of them were on solo home runs. So take that away. You actually didn't do that bad. Yeah, back-to-back pitches, too. I think they they saw something or, or, you know, they were just sitting on something. They got what they were looking for. Yeah. All right. So I think that gets us to fair or foul. And we have the leftover from last time. That's what we'll start with right after this. All right, we are back. Did you want to do that first or last? Let's get it out of the way so we don't run out of time. We haven't got the we haven't got the warning yet. Let's get it out of the way. All right, number one, fair or foul. I put date slash Mary, a Yankee, a Dodger, or a Rangers fan. Is that fair or foul? So I believe it's fair, but there has to be a fair amount of respect. You know what I mean? You can't have one of the, at least for me personally, you can't have one of these fans that are just rabid, like wake up in the morning and just like, good morning uh, to only these fans and F everybody else. You know what I mean? If, 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 if they can, if they can realize that, Hey, okay, that's a good ball club. I can realize, Hey, the Dodgers are a good ball club. The Yankees are a good ball club. We can just be a house divided. But if we're going to war every day, every night, you know, after every loss or every win, uh, I don't know if I can do it. For me, it, I mean, it depends on the level. Because there's people that are like, oh, I'm a fan. But I think I could switch them. Because I'm so <laughs> into the Astros. And you have to go to games with me. I'm not going to go. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I would say no. I would say foul. Because I wouldn't want to be with someone that's if especially if they're a trash talker, like you were. I guess you were kind of getting to that. I don't know. I just wouldn't want to fight with my wife or girlfriend or whatever over over sports. So I wouldn't want to do it. What would be the worst out of the three? I, I would say Dodgers. Oh no, I would say Yankees. If if they were if they were the like you said the extreme. I, again, I I know Yankees fans that I'm 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 really really cool with. I I Dodger fans really really cool with. You know, even some Ranger fans really really cool with. That you know, uh, I I don't see like it being like a, an issue. Yeah. But you have some that are just you know 27 rings and and you can't tell me that the Yankees didn't invent baseball and everyone else is inferior and those, those think- would be tough days. <laughs> I guess the Dodgers, to me, if you if you look on social media based only, I think the Dodger fans are more annoying. And also, I think <laughs> I think a lot of the Yankee fans are not even really baseball fans. They just, oh, the Yankees, they're the Yankees. They get they're from they got the pinstripes, been around forever. They're winners. That's my team. But anyway, I could handle the Rangers fan. That, I mean, having a Rangers, that would be kind of fun. It wouldn't make me mad, but I really hate the Yankees and the Dodgers. And maybe when the Rangers get better, I can grow my love. I mean, grow my hate back for them. 
All right. Are you ready for number two? Let's do it. I saw this. Someone tweeted this, and I'm going to say fair. I do agree with it. The Texans need to be rebranded. Kind of like, I mean, a, you know, a new uniform, another color. Not a not like revamping the entire colors, but just not, not trying to go from like creamsicle to what the Buccaneers did. But what do you think? Just rebrand them a little bit. I could go for an alternate jersey, but I think it's foul. I think that, the, you know, this has been their logo. This has been their, you know, their name since inception. I mean, it's been 20 years. I, 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 you got a lot of teams that have gone. It's been 20 years. I think 02 was when they were they, <laughs> Yeah. I think it, Jesus. So, it feels so, like it was like three years ago. And, and see, that's the thing too, right? So I'm okay with the brand. I don't have an issue with the brand. They just came out with an alternate helmet that they're going to wear this year. It's, uh, it's the battle red to match all the battle red. So I'm okay with the Texans uh, being the Texans right now. I don't, I don't think we need to go anywhere. I don't think it's that bad. I think maybe the, the, what they were saying by the rebrand was maybe not really changing the name, but just kind of just changing things up a little bit. But I don't know. I, I think I think that logo and that every everything because I'm not a Texans fan, so I can speak from an outsider. It's just the uniform and the logo of a boring losing team. <laughs> That's how I look at it. I tried when they when they first came in the league. I tried to like them. I'm they're going to be that's going to be my team, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. They're too boring. Well, the problem is for a lot of people is they need that they need that winning mentality. You know what I mean? You you want to cling to a loser, right? You don't you don't want that. And they just haven't won enough for people yet. I mean, for me, I'm a loyal to the soil guy, so I know I'm gonna I'm gonna rep everything that Houston <laughs> is and everything that Houston will be. Uh, we could get a, we could uh, Houston could get an expansion hockey team that would never win, and I would still be a fan of the Houston whatever Hurricanes, whatever. I don't know. I'd be a fan. I don't think it would be the Hurricanes. <laughs> no, 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 I don't think so either. But I mean. You know, I, I don't know what what brand they would come up with for for Houston. I mean, I don't. I think we've exhausted all of our space options, so I don't know. Hmm, that'd be a good uh, thing to try to find out. Have we explore? Have we used all the space things that we can <laughs> use? All right, number three, In and Out Burger, fair or foul? Foul, absolutely foul. <laughs> And and I'm going to tell you why. And, and I mean this, mean this. It's not even loyalty tr- to Whataburger, right? It's just gross. No, it's just gross. I've had it in California and I'm not like a, like a burger snob or anything like that. I think their burgers are great. What I will say is they have the worst fries of any fast food chain in the history of fast food chains. And you just can't tell me otherwise. You have to, and, and the, the people that make the argument, the people that defend it, they, the Californians that, you know, that's their, that's their thing. Oh, you got to smother it in chili and cheese. And you got to animal style it. And you got to do the secret menu. I'm like, if I have to hide them with all these other things, they're really bad. And for me, that is like, like, like I'll, I'll give the burger credit. The burger is not a bad burger, but the fries are so bad. You cannot get me to pay my money for them. Yeah, I don't like it either. My wife wants to go there because she hasn't had it and I don't want to go, but I'm going to have to. But it's <laughs> the first time I tried it, I was in Dallas. 
And I was like, whoa, there's an In-N-Out burger. And I tried it and I liked it. And then me and my kids were driving to Oklahoma and I took them. I don't remember where exactly we were at. And none of us liked it. We were like, this is bad. And then I tried, you know, you just like, I'm going to try it again. It's one good, one bad. Maybe it was the restaurant. So I had it here in San Antonio. It was gross. It was horrible. I'll never eat there again, but I, I'll probably have to eat there one more time. <laughs> All right. Number four, the Astros will win at least two games versus Seattle in this four-game series. I'd like to know who the other pitchers are going to be. Uh, uh, I'm a little concerned with the, the TBD, but I'll say fair. I, I think they need to respond off of the series from Oakland. It's a bad taste in their mouths. You know, they 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 don't like losing to them either. I, I know that they're they're looking at that standings just like we are. I do think that, you know, whatever addition that ends up happening, I believe an addition will happen through the trade deadline. So I think that'll be energy to add to, you know, the fact that they're coming off of a, a bad series. So I think they'll win too. I think based on the fact that JV is pitching one of the games, I'm counting that as a win, and the Astros just need to win one out of the other three. So I say fair. I, th- I, be- I believe they can win two. They might win all of them, but we'll see. And the trade deadline is August 2nd. I looked it up while you were talking. All right, number five, I thought of this because I had breakfast this morning, and uh, I had Spam, Spam and egg sandwich with cheese. So good. But so I thought about a breakfast. I almost did bacon against sausage, but I didn't. And so I went with this. Fair foul, French toast is better than pancakes or waffles. And if you want to, list them in order the, the way you like them. It's a tough one. I like them all. I like them all. I'm going to say foul because I probably don't eat a whole lot of French toast. That's one of those once in a blue moon type things where I probably get pancakes or waffles, I don't know, once a week, maybe. Mm -hmm. So let me go pancake, then waffle, then French toast in that order. I'm a French toast guy. When my wife says, what do you want for breakfast? There's two options, French toast or spam sandwich. That's it. (laughs) It's the two options there are. You know what they, my wife's, their culture, you know what they have for breakfast? Mm-mm. Last night's dinner with an egg. Wow. Yeah, whatever, whatever leftovers from the night before with an egg. They love it, but I can't do it. I can't eat last <laughs> night's dinner. I guess even if you like have spaghetti, like how can you have spaghetti with an egg on it for dinner? I haven't really seen that, but I'm sorry if you're listening, babe. I'm sorry. But I love French toast. I think it's good. When I go to Cracker Barrel, I get French toast. My wife makes me French toast here. I haven't had waffles except, you know, when I was single and I'm eating the waffles out of the frozen section, putting them in a toaster. Once in a while, I get pancakes. And I, you remember the pot, you remember the podcast where I said there's something that I eat a lot of and I'm done? It's pancakes. Remember that? I finally oh, remembered. Yeah? And now I get to bring it up on accident. They they, they I, put you down. They weigh you down. If I go to Cracker Barrel and I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get pancakes today, I'm miserable. I feel like barfing. I feel so full. I feel I feel so bloated. 
So pancakes is last. I like waffles. They're pretty good. Have you ever been to a hotel where they have the two-minute pancakes? Mm-mm. And you hit that button and the conveyor goes and it spits out two pancakes? No, sounds cool, though. It is. Be nice to have at the house. All right, buddy, you have any final thoughts before we I, run out of time? I do. I think you always do. I, well, I mean, that, that's, that's part of the show, right? Gotta have, <laughs> gotta have it ready to go. I feel like the Astros need to, I mean, the Astros are going to be just fine. I think fans need to be a, a little bit understanding of the situation. And uh, like Aaron Rodgers said once, R-E-L-A-X, relax. I, I look forward to whatever trades they make. I look forward to whatever moves they make. I feel like uh, there was a, an interview on 790 with James Click where he basically made it sound like, look, we're we're definitely not okay where we are and we are going to do something. They don't know what yet or they didn't speak to what, but they're going to do something. So hopefully they, they they make a move that makes everybody happy and we win some more ballgames. Yep. So going into today's game, I was tweeting, but I deleted it. And I was going to put, if if uh, the Astros don't win today, the fan police are going to be out. And they were. All right. That's it, folks. For Tom, I appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll see you next time on Astros Baseball. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.